I decided to go to this facility, this lab place that's affiliated with a hospital that's in low income neighborhood. I thought okay. it's driving distance is close. Let me go there. And I came home crying. I told my husband, you know, my husband's like, you know, what's wrong? And I said, the way this country takes advantage of poor people is just outrageous. It's a sin. I said, it's unethical. It's immoral. It may not be illegal, but it's immoral and unethical. And it's just, it's just horrid. Hey, this is Allison and welcome to the Inspire Budget Podcast where we talk all things budgeting, debt, and saving money. Today we have Dr. Virgie Bright Ellington on and I have already actually recorded the podcast with her and I cannot tell you I learned so much. She has practiced for more than 20 years in primary care and psychiatric settings and she was a health insurance executive and now she has made it her mission She's truly made it her mission to help the average American understand how to crush their medical debt. And today we're going to be talking specifically about the only right way to pay a medical bill. And I'm just going to spoil it for you. The last medical bill I had, I figured out I paid it wrong. So let's go ahead and welcome Dr. Virgie on. Welcome, Dr. Virgie, to the Inspire Budget Podcast. I think it is so important that everything that we're about to talk about right here, what you're an expert in, helping people know how to manage their medical debt. So before we dive into that and and dealing with medical bills, tell us a little bit about yourself and just how you found yourself where you are now. So first, Allison, thanks for having me. I love what you do. I really love when folks are teaching folks in this country, how to stay within a budget, stay within their lifestyle, stay within mm-hmm. their means, basically stay within your financial lane. Exactly. I just really appreciate that. Yeah. So the story of how I came to doing what I'm doing now and helping people struggling with medical bills, I was a board certified practicing internal medicine physician for many years, and then started working in the health insurance industry as an executive. And I was doing that for like 10 years. And, you know, I thought I pretty much knew the U S healthcare system and from both sides, you know, all Mm -hmm. of a sudden I thought, okay, 360 degrees, I see all the perspectives, but it wasn't until Allison, I actually became a patient and Mm -hmm. I had to be admitted to the hospital and my hospital roommate was telling me a story about how the year prior she had been in the hospital, she was really worried that she's going to have the same issue because she had a representative from the hospital's billing department come in and trick her into thinking that she had to sign a waiver saying that she would pay the financial bill, whatever the invoice is, even though she had insurance. What? Yes. Oh my exactly. Goodness. That was my reaction. So Allison, the 10 years while you're working in the health, health insurance world, you had never heard of something like this happening. No, oh I, I didn't goodness. think that I thought to be frank, to be honest, I thought the U S healthcare insurance industry mm-hmm. was a predator. Frankly, how does it go? He who has the gold makes the rules, right? Right. Well, the U S healthcare system is run by private insurance companies, health medical insurance companies, Mm -hmm. uh, particularly those that are publicly traded. And that's another story for another day, but there, that is what the for-profit system healthcare industry in this country runs on. So I thought I 
thought, well, this is the insurance company's issue. Right. And that, that's the only kind of taken advantage of patients that ever happens. Yeah. Cause the hospital is well, supposed to be helping people. You are supposed think, to be right? full of helpers. Exactly. But they're part of the system. They are forced to give discounts to insurance companies. And so they're always trying to, it's like, they're trying to make as much money as they can also, but the insurance companies are, they're the ones that have the strength and power. So, okay. So what happens is out of all of this, if you think about the insurance company and uh, companies on one side and the providers, the the healthcare systems, hospital systems on the other, Mm -hmm. they're both trying to get as much resource as they can. So who's in the middle and with no knowledge about the system, the American patient, exactly us, the public, right? So yeah, Allison, she tells me this and I had the same reaction you did. I I actually, I, I, the curtain dropped, literally, Mm -hmm. I saw red, I was absolutely enraged Mm -hmm. because I knew that this, she was a a mom who's very modest income, her husband, she wasn't working outside the home at that point, because they had two toddler girls Mm -hmm. who um, weren't in preschool yet. I mean, really, really young kids. And then he's working in a 24 hour diner. So I knew their resources really exactly. Right. Mm -hmm. And I knew that she had just signed away the financial future of her and her family. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know what, Virgie, don't get mad, get to getting, do something. Mm -hmm. And that's how Crush Medical Debt was born. Wow. Oh my gosh. Have you seen this in other places as you have learned more and come up with a solution for people? Have you heard other stories of this happening to people? Oh, that's a great question, Allison, because I hadn't heard up until that point. I really hadn't heard of any stories like that. Until again, because I had, it was actually, it's interesting, (laughs) a couple of weeks or a week after that hospital visit where I realized this was going on, I had to go to have lab work done to follow up my hospital visit. Mm -hmm. And I decided to go to this facility, this lab place that's affiliated with a hospital that's in low income neighborhood. I thought it's driving distance is close. Let me go there. And I came home crying. I told my husband, my husband's like, you know, what's wrong? And I said, the way this country takes advantage of poor people Mm -hmm. is just outrageous. It's a sin. I said, it's unethical. It's immoral. It may not be illegal, Mm -hmm. but it's immoral and unethical. And it's just, it's just horrid. And he said, you know what, Virgie, then you decided to write this book, Crush Medical Mm -hmm. Debt you know, from your experience with talking with this person, when you're in the hospital, he says, you know what, you can do more, you can educate folks, you know, so we created a multimedia platform. So there's a radio show on voice America, ask a doctor, where we talk a lot about ask a doctor, what your medical debt doctor wants, you know, we do a lot Mm -hmm. of those segments, but yeah, that's, that's how I came to this. And actually, in an addition, after that, I'd say about six months later, after I had been discharged from that same hospital visit, that same hospital tried to take advantage of me. <gasps> and <laughs> it, it makes me laugh. It really did make me laugh, actually. You You're know, like, and nice I laugh and I cry. But I got a balance bill, a balance mm-hmm. from this hospital. They tried to balance bill me, and they, they didn't know they were talking to the author of what your doctor wants you to know to crush medical debt, right? So that's yeah. cracking up. So the balance bill is one you go to your in-network provider mm-hmm. and that means that they've agreed to take whatever your insurance 
pays as full as full payment, payment in full, and that's it. Except really? for, okay. you know, if you have co-pays, if your plan right. has co-pays, co-insurance deductibles, mm-hmm. not counting that, but that's it, right? And so I get a bill from them. I had to have emergency surgery and they said, oh, well, your cost for emergency surgery and staying two nights in the hospital was like more than $350,000. What? But yeah, <laughs> but wait, there's more. <laughs> it gets better. They're like, and you know what you're, they wrote like, discount, insurance discount, readjustments, like $250,000. So you just owe the low, low price of almost $90,000, right? You know, patient responsibility do buy blah, 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 blah. And I looked at it and I called the insurance company just to make sure like, maybe I'm wrong and I'm not in network with this medical. Now this is a big regional medical center. I knew that they would take my insurance. Like, you know, I was in network, but I was like, let me just double check. And uh, they were like, no, they're in network. And they said, how much did they bill you for? Did they send you a summary bill for? That was the first bill. There's a, a writer, Marshall Allen, who wrote a book, Never Pay the First Bill. And he's absolutely right. When it comes to your medical bills, never pay the first bill. But anyway, right, the first, right. because the first bill is usually a summary bill and it has nothing, it's just fiction. It's right, fantasy. Right. It's, it's wishful thinking on their part. So I get this ballot, this bill, right? almost $90,000. And I'm talking to the insurance person and they're like, you know what? That's the same amount that they billed us, that they sent us to pay. And they said, we're in the process of paying. It hasn't been paid out yet, but that's what we're going to pay. Right. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So they're trying to double dip. They're double dipping. And that's, I talk about that all the time. They're double dealing, double dipping, playing both sides against the metal. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I'm looking at this and I am cracking up and I had to tell somebody cause I was just gonna, I was just gonna explode. Right. I just couldn't believe this. I called up my best friend and I said, you just have to listen to this. And I told her the story and told her, you know, $90,000 bill and da, 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 da. And I was like, I'm not paying this. And I'm just cracking up. And she said, you know what, Virgie, you're the only person I know who laughs when everybody else would be in a corner curled up in a fetal position crying. Absolutely. So yeah, it took a long time, but mm-hmm. being a patient, this is a long answer to your question, Allison, yes. the, to seeing it from really 360 degree angle from provider to mm-hmm. payer side to patient side to see what's really going on. Yeah. I think that you were able to laugh because you had the knowledge. Oh, and that's what you had that we don't. So let's, let's share your knowledge, right? That's what you're on a mission to do. So you had mentioned that there is a number one mistake, a number one mistake that people in their twenties and thirties make that can destroy their financial future. So I don't want any of my listeners making this mistake. I want to make sure I don't make this mistake or my kids. So what is it? Well, I I don't know what it is. I can't wait to figure this out. (laughs) What is the number one mistake people are making or that you don't want us to make? Exactly. The number one mistake that people in their 20s and 30s make that can just destroy their financial future forever is going without health insurance. So in our 20s and 30s, you know, we're feeling good. We're looking good. We're Mm -hmm. in shape. We exercise, we run, we bike, right? And we're like, you know, I'm good. I don't have any medical problems. I'm young. I'm healthy. Mm -hmm. No problem. But the problem is, is that it only takes one injury. You know, God forbid you get hit on the, you know, have a bicycle accident, a nasty bicycle accident, Mm -hmm. or even, you know, it's it's unusual, but young people can still be diagnosed with a serious illness that can destroy your financial future. Mm -hmm. So I tell people, yes, it's really hard to try to talk yourself into saying, you know what, I'm going to pay a monthly premium. That's really 
stretching my budget, really, I can't really afford this that I don't think I'm ever going to use. Okay. Well, if you're age 29 and younger, there's something called catastrophic health insurance or catastrophic Mm -hmm. health plans that is kind of structured, governed by the ACA, the Affordable Care Act. So, and what that does is you don't have these big monthly premiums like you do with regular insurance. Mm -hmm. But if something, God forbid, happens, an injury or an accident or a serious illness, then you're covered. No, like, let's say that you have a a nasty virus and you can't get rid of a cough for weeks and weeks. You go to a doctor, urgent care, and you're diagnosed with bronchitis. That is totally not going to be covered. Right, right. But at least, you know, you're not going to be eviscerated. Mm -hmm. Now, once you turn 29, 30, you're going to have to do the thing where you go into the ACA marketplace, the Affordable Mm -hmm. Care Act federal government marketplace, and just try to find something that is within your budget in terms of the premiums. Okay. And just is, but it's better than nothing. It's better than flying bare, really, you know, flapping in the breeze. I had a son or my youngest son, when he was three, he had a ruptured appendix. And it wasn't just appendicitis, it ruptured. And that, he wasn't That's unhealthy. It, it is. And yeah. so it's something like that. It's it's when you think it's not going to happen to you, it's just a risk. And so I love that you're talking about that because I've had friends that, especially in their 20s, just said, oh, I'm just going to go without it. But I'm curious, you know, I'm very lucky to have my husband. He's a teacher. We don't have great insurance. It's very expensive insurance for me to be on it. But for me, it's worth it. Like it's worth yes, the it peace is. of mind. Like you're talking about yeah. what, do you have anything, any advice for someone who's maybe an entrepreneur like me that doesn't have a spouse that they can kind of join a plan for? What is their best option? Is it going into the ACA? Like you recommend? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Allison. So it's tough. And, and that's where we are with being entrepreneurs, freelancers, mm-hmm. you know, the gig economy, that's what we're looking at is the ACA. And, and frankly, that's one of the main reasons why the ACA was created was to try to make sure that everybody has access to some kind of coverage mm-hmm. and having a minimum basement level of coverage of what it covers. So like it has to cover some basic, every plan that's offered has to cover some basic routine screening. They all have okay. to cover like very basic something. Like gynecology exams. Exactly. Things like that. Okay. Exactly. If you go to healthcare.gov, mm-hmm. you'll find a list of preventive services that are okay. free, totally free for any commercial insurance that you bought on the through the ACA. Even okay. if you didn't buy through the ACA, if it's a private commercial insurance, they're pretty much ascribed to having to follow that also. But it will give you a list of the things that are covered, totally no cost sharing to the patient, meaning no copay, mm-hmm. no deductible. It doesn't go towards comfort deductible and no co-insurance. So it's huge. I love it. And I like the idea of almost framing it as a non-negotiable. I think the fact that we don't have to have it makes you think, okay, well, is it really worth the money? Is it worth that? I, you know, what are the chances? Let me take a risk, but I wouldn't risk it with like not having car insurance or not having home insurance. I live in Houston, Texas, and we're prone to floods. And I do have a choice to not have flood insurance in my home, but I'm like, nope, it's not worth the risk to me. So I think when you can frame it in that way and see it as a non-negotiable, then maybe the temptation to save, save money every month to not, by not paying for it 
kind of fades away. That's a huge, huge point, Allison. Thank you for bringing it up. So uh, you made me think of my sister lives in Houston, Texas. Mm -hmm. We have conversations about finances. She's on a fixed income and that kind of Mm -hmm. thing. The one thing um, that's really important is think about what insurance is for. You don't buy insurance on your electronic products. When they say, oh, would you like to, for a low, low price, you know, before yeah. you check out, would you like to buy for $4.99 a month? Blah, blah, blah. No, mm-hmm. insurance, you buy insurance for things that you can't afford to replace or pay for yourself. Oh my gosh. I want you to repeat that. Cause I think that is so important for everyone to understand. Why do we buy insurance? Insurance is only for things that you cannot afford to replace yourself mm-hmm. or things that are going to be out of your budget mm-hmm. to be able to replace. Yes. I That's love that. what insurance is for. So no, don't buy insurance on your big, huge screen TV, because if something happens to it in the first year and right after it, the day after it falls out of warranty, at the end of the day, you can replace it for 200. You can come up with the 200 bucks, right. you can come up with the 500 bucks. If you had to your house, not so much, right? Exactly. So you have home insurance, health insurance. If you had to come up with a catastrophe, oh my gosh, if you had a catastrophic uh, injury or God forbid an illness, you're not going to be able to come up with uh, the $90,000 right. that this hospital tried to stick me with. Exactly. Oh my gosh. That's so, that's so true. Today's episode is brought to you by my free budget class. This budget class is all about how to write a budget for your best life without giving up your weekly latte runs. In this class, I'm gonna be covering the three massive mistakes that everybody makes with their budget and why they are costing you money. And I'm sharing with you these mistakes so that way you can stop making them. I'll also be sharing with you the secret to finding more money in your budget each month so that way you can do whatever you want with it. And I'll be sharing my four-step framework to budget for your best life without giving up what you love. This class is hands down incredible and it has so much value. You can sign up for it at inspirebudget.com slash free class or just click the link in my show notes. I'll see you there. Talking about medical bills, I know that I had a situation back in November and I'm going to tell you about this where I ended up having a kidney infection. It was very, very painful. I was super shocked by how painful it was. I actually went to the emergency room twice. The first time they basically said, oh, you have a UTI. They sent me home. home. It got so bad. I could not even move. I had to call my husband was working. He had, he's a band uh, director. So he had actually a concert. I had to call my mom to take me back to the emergency room. I was in so much pain. As soon as I got in the emergency room, doctor was like, this is not a UTI. I had imaging done multiple types of imaging and sure enough, it was a kidney infection and I get the bill and I said, okay, I'm going to negotiate this bill. My insurance covered part of it. I had not met my deductible. I'm going to negotiate this bill and I've negotiated bills successfully in the past. This medical bills, medical bills. Yes. I negotiated medical bills for my son when he had his ruptured appendix and we ended up you know, negotiating maybe $5,000 off of different various bills in total. Cause that was, that was really high cost for us. We were in the children's hospital in downtown Dallas for over a week. And then we've had little small things here and there that we've negotiated with doctor's offices and things like this. So I had my husband actually call and they would not budge. 
They would not budge. They said, no, we are not open to negotiations. You can either go on this payment plan or pay full price. And so we ended up just going ahead and paying full price. But I'm wondering now, did I do it wrong? Dr. Virgie, did I do it wrong? Did I make a yes, mistake? Yes, ma'am. I'm oh. sorry to tell you, Allison. That's okay. But you know what? There's a reason why. It's be- and that's because they know that 99% of the American public doesn't know that there's only one right way to pay a medical bill. Okay, what and is it? That is- <laughs> what is it? <laughs> I feel really like frustrated right now, but I have to realize that I'm only 35. I'm sure I have many more medical bills to pay in my future. So I'm going to get this information now. And And you're going to be armed and you're never going to let anybody take advantage of again. You're never going to be taken advantage of again. Exactly. Because there are three steps in making sure that you don't overpay a medical bill. Okay. And the problem is, is that before I get into what the three steps are, I'm just going to say that The system is now saying, oh, we've got credit cards and internal, like a hospital inpatient credit card for our system. And, Mm -hmm. or, or they'll say, just, they'll send you a payment plan, right? when they send you this bill. Right. Yep. And, you know, credit cards are getting in on the game, uh, banks rather getting on the game with like special medical credit cards that, oh, Mm -hmm. it's only 0% interest for, you know, if you pay it off in two years, blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. That's the third step. That's the final step. That is saying, you know what, I'm going to negotiate that $90,000 bill. That would have been like me saying, I'm going to negotiate that $90,000 bill I got, Allison, that I didn't owe one penny of. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yes. Okay. So that's what we're going to do. So we're going to talk about step one. The first step Uh of the three steps is when you get a bill, it's usually, unfortunately, nine times out of 10 from a healthcare facility is usually not an accurate bill. It's not really a real bill. You know, I I just have to say, I'm going to have to start talking about that there. (laughs) I always say it's not an accurate bill. An accurate Mm -hmm. bill is an itemized bill. An itemized bill is a bill with CPT codes. CPT codes are just like barcodes. When you go into a store, there's every product has one, right? Yes. And you swipe it and the price comes up, the description of the product and the price comes up. Same thing with medical care and medical service in the United States services in the United States. There's like several hundred, like a few hundred plus thousand plus. Wow. CPT codes because it covers and describes, there's one that describes every single medical test, procedure, operation, office visit, type of office visit, outpatient visit, whatever right? So same thing. CPT codes, when you go in, you've gotten a service. So you expect to get a bill that lists the services that you got. And that's CPT codes. And it's usually five digits. And make sure that when you get the bill, you're going to call. And when you get this crazy thing they send you that has no CPT code to be found anywhere on it, you're going to call up and say, I need a bill, an itemized bill, please, with CPT codes. Oh my gosh. I want to go in my email right now and see, (laughs) did it include a CPT code? I need to know this. I unfortunately probably didn't didn't because I would say in my experience, eight to nine times out of 10, most medical centers, because it works. And Mm. I just like to, you know, hit folks to this. Think about it. When medical centers send their invoices, claims, their bills to your insurance company, they don't send those, those summary bills. They okay. only send bills with CPT codes. Oh. That's like going into a grocery store and saying, oh, okay, I, I want this. I want that. And you come out and they give you a, they give you a receipt that says um, produce, 
Gary, a hundred dollars. Like wait, wait, what? (laughs) So you're going to step one, call the office, the billing office, patient accounts department, and ask for an itemized bill. This is important. CPT codes. Okay. Everyone write that down. Itemized bill, CPT codes. We're going to put this actually in like a whole article and everything. So that way people have like a literally step-by-step thing to do. Okay. One of the radio hosts I was talking to a few months ago says, you know what CPT stands for? I said, yeah, I know what it stands for. It's really long and I don't like to bore people with it. And I know many people in the industry Mm -hmm. that still can't remember what it stands for. It stands for common procedural terminology. That's why we call it CPT codes. He was like, well, yeah, but you know what? It should be, (laughs) it should be called can't pay this code. Uh That's what it should stand for. Can't pay this. (laughs) I love that. That's funny. So step two, you're going to take those codes and you're going to Google them. You're going to plug them in, you're going to say CPT code 99213 and up will pop the description of the service. And you want to make sure that that sounds close to what you received, the services you think you received. And while you're there Googling things, you're also going to take that CPT code and plug it in to see how much Medicare pays for that service. Okay. So Medicare, the CMS, Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services, if it's good enough for the federal government, mm, right? That's for me. Price, you know, why would I pay their MRSP, right? Manufacturer yes. retail sticker price, like on a car, you're not going to pay full price, right? Yeah. No. So there are some people in the industry that are doing this work. I mean, in the industry, doing the work of helping people not get taken advantage of by the U.S. healthcare system. They say okay. you should agree to pay two times Medicare. I start with Medicare. Okay. No more than two times. Anything other than that, you're paying three to 300 to 500% above. Wow. Basically what you should be paying, which you really is a fair rate. Okay. So So then you're going to take those numbers you've added up. Okay. So this is what Medicare pays for the, the inpatient stay for a room Mm -hmm. and, you know, the room and board, the room fee. And this is what they charge me for. I'm trying to think of a code for four, five, six, eight, three, a hernia repair, right? So you're going to take all those, stack them up, what Medicare pays for them. And you're going to take that to step three. You're going to call back the billing department. And that's when you negotiate. You don't negotiate from their wishful thinking number, like, okay, okay, we hope this works again. Like it usually does nine times out of 10, you're going to take that number and you're going to say, you know what, this is what I'm able to pay. Can you give me an interest free, make sure they don't charge you interest, Mm -hmm. an interest free payment plan that fits your budget. And it doesn't matter, Allison, how long it takes, make sure it fits your budget. Okay. So what you're often going to hear, like you were told, well, no, you know, for, I'm just using numbers and these unfortunately Mm -hmm. are not unusual examples and Mm -hmm. unusual numbers. Let's say you have a $20,000 bill that you realize, okay, this is the price that Medicare would pay for it or no more than two times Medicare. And you're like, um, but you know, I can only afford $250 a month. That's all my budget can do. And I'm squeezing every little dime. That's the best I can do. And you tell them that, you know what, I can do this and I need an interest-free payment plan for $250 a month to get this $20,000 bill. And you're going to get a response probably like you and your husband got. They're Mm -hmm. like, "Uh, no, that's going to take forever. That's going to take years. That'll take 10 years to pay off, blah, 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 blah. And you're like, yeah. And (laughs) (laughs) yes, I realize that, but Mm -hmm. this is what 
I can afford to pay. This is, this is the only thing that's in my budget. And the reason why you want to stick to your guns and why eventually they'll accept it, Allison, is because how does it go? A little bit of something is better than all of nothing, yeah. right? And they're saving money by not having to chase you, mm-hmm. you know, for down the road or potentially having to sell it at a discount or for pennies yes. on the dollar to debt collectors and that kind of thing. So those are the wow, three wow. steps. You have to apply it to every single medical bill, please, please. Every single medical bill you get in the future, first laugh when you see a, what they call a bill, you know, do da, 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 da. They'll have this big number mm-hmm. and it'll say due date by, okay. And they'll have a phone number next to it. And, you know, when you call up, oh, that's what happened to me when I, they sent me a $90,000 bill. Like they have the, their billing office number right next to this big number. This is due in full. So it does such a date, like two weeks later, a month later. Right. Right. So they want you to call them up. Right. So you call them up and I just wanted to hear what they had to say. Cause I was just really cracking up. Right. It's like, well, this is going to be good. I should have recorded it. (laughs) I called them up and I said, Oh, can you tell me what you sent the insurance company, my insurance company, this is the bill I got, but how much I'm unclear with that you're with your summary bill here, how much my insurance paid. And they said, oh, we can't give you that information. What? We don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all a lie. Per HIPAA, they have, you have access and the right to every single thing affiliated with your medical care, mm-hmm. including any bill sent to anybody, anything remotely wow. related to your care, HIPAA. And if you start using okay. HIPAA as per HIPAA, I would like an itemized bill with CPT mm-hmm. codes as per HIPAA guidelines, because they will tell you that we don't have that kind of bill here. Oh my you know, God. If you ask for, yeah, that has happened. I've called and they've told, yeah, yeah. And then what do you say? No, and I so know that's you a say, lie. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to say, no, I read Dr. Virgie's book and I know that you need to give me a bill <laughs> itemized CPT bill. Where is my CPT codes? Where is my CPT codes? Yes, (laughs) ma'am. So you're going to say, I want an itemized bill and CPT codes as, and this is important quote, as per HIPAA law, unquote, and things change. Yeah. Right. Wow. Yeah. So, so they, they're, so when you call them, they want you to call them. And so they'll say, well, gosh, we can't give you that information. We can't, we, you have to call your insurance to find out how much your insurance paid. Oh, okay. They want to put you, we, they want to take you on this like roundabout journey. So you give up, right? Like this down is the rabbit hole. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You got it. And then you're just like, oh, fine, I'll pay it. Like I did. They'll exactly. They just want to wear you down. That's their mm-hmm. job. You know, you know, I always, I have a lot of mottos, Allison. And one of them is, you know, never hate a hustler, but sometimes you're like, really, (laughs) really excuse my French. So anyway, so yeah, you'll call up and you'll say, look, and this is what I said to him. I said, you know, look, can you tell me how much my insurance paid toward this? You know, I got something from you guys and blah, 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 blah. But we can't tell you what your insurance paid, but you'll have to, you know, and you'll have to call your insurance company for that information. But we know $90,000 is a lot of money and you can't be expected to pay that all at once. Can we transfer you to our associate to make a payment plan? Mm. And I was like, no, thank you. I'm good. And hung up yeah. because I knew I didn't know any owe any of that money. Yeah. But why do they do this, Allison? Because it works. Mm. It works. It's so but sad. Now and you and your listeners and your audience know better that you're going to stay mm-hmm. within your budget no matter what. And yeah, sometimes, you know, bills will take five, seven, 10 years to pay off. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Stay in your budget. Yes. Okay. So 
So the number one mistake, I just want to make sure I'm paraphrasing all of this. Number one mistake people in their twenties and thirties can make is not having health insurance. And then the three steps, the only way, the only right way to pay a medical bill is to call and ask for an itemized bill with the CPT codes per HIPAA law, then to Google the CPT codes and see, did I actually get this service? And then second, what does Medicare pay for it? And then the third is to negotiate that Medicare price, but make sure it fits your budget. And that if you set yourself up on a payment plan, that's 0% interest, interest-free payment plan, that it fits your budget. Exactly. Which I think is, yeah, I mean, you have to make sure it fits your budget because you don't want to be struggling with affording your life because of this one thing that happened to you. Exactly. We're humans. You know, we get sick, we get injured, life happens, and we can't be penalized and have our lives taken from us, our future taken from us, our homes, Mm -hmm. our children's college savings because we're human, Mm -hmm. (laughs) because we're living creatures. And yeah, Mm -hmm. and I talk about that. Always, always, always stick to your budget. And you talked about, you know, your audience, you you said, you know what, it's really important to make sure that you have a budget. And this is really important. This is why it's important to have a budget. And a lot of folks don't think that budgets are sexy. I happen to think budgets are sexy <laughs> because too. I think of it as like a spending plan, you know, yes. oh, I have this much to do this and go out and mm-hmm. do this or have some wine or get, you know, a couple of bottles of wine this month with mm-hmm. my favorite honey, you know, my sweetie or whatever yeah. and enjoy. And so, yeah, I tell folks and, and I know Allison, you have a free budgeting class. Yes, if you're just getting started, please folks, please, you know, take advantage of resources like this, a free budgeting class. And then you've got this great information. You're going to be protected and not get taken advantage of with the bill. And they're going to say, well, can you do $500 a month? It's going to take you 10 years to pay this off instead of 250. Can you do, you know, 350, you know, 500? No. Okay. What about 350? No. (laughs) To your budget. Yes. And I think that's so great because in this instance, knowledge is power and knowledge is money. So knowing how to approach these types of bills, knowing how to write a budget that works for you, it's powerful and it's life-changing and it can help reduce overall just the stress in your life. So thank you so much for this incredibly valuable information. I want anyone who's listening right now to just share this podcast episode with your parents, your siblings, your best friend, because everyone, everyone, whether or not now, but either now or in the future is impacted by medical bills. Every single person I think that, you know, will be touched by this. So thank you so much. Tell us Dr. Virgie, a little bit more where we can learn about you and about your amazing book you have out. So you can find the book at crushmedicaldebt.com and, you know, it has, you can go in and you can order it from, you know, wherever you buy your books, you know, Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, all that good stuff. And you can also find me on Voice America radio show, uh, Ask a Doctor, what your doctor wants you to know with Dr. Virgie. And that's on Thursdays at 5 p.m. Eastern uh, live. And then after that, I'd say within like, you know, two or three days, it gets repopulated to wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Yes. Okay. Well, I'll go ahead and link to your book and the radio show and your podcast as well. So thank you so much. (laughs) 
at the end of every episode, I love to ask my guests three questions just to get to know you, uh, Virgie, better as a person. So I don't want you to think too hard about them. The first question is, what is one thing on your bucket list that you want to do? You know what? I keep thinking, you know, I should have a bucket list. I keep thinking I need to make one, but I realize I can't because if I want to do something, I'll just do it. If I want something, I just make it happen. I love that. But (laughs) I was talking to a friend of mine about the one right way to pay a medical bill, the three steps. And she said, you know what, Virgie, you know, you've got to get out there. So everyone in the country is calling up their doctor's office and saying, where's my code? Where's my code? So my bucket list are things I have no, really no control over. It's just, you know, I hope that the work that I do, you know, gets out and and helps folks. That's my bucket list. I want the country to say, Hey, where's my code? Call their doctor, the the hospital billing department and say, where's my code? Where's my bill with CPT codes? Advocate. You want to see people advocate for themselves. I love that. Well, we're taking it one step closer to that by having this podcast. So the second question is what's one money mistake you've made that you would tell everybody to avoid? I don't believe in buying cars that are new. Once you drive it off the lot, it's just a used car a recently current year, but used car and it's already lost. 10 to 20, up to 30% of its value as soon as you drive it off the lot. Mm-hmm. But I did it once <laughs> <laughs> when I was in my twenties, I was in my late twenties and I thought, you know what, this is awesome. You know, I'm just, mm-hmm. I thought, okay, it's going to be worth it because I'm, I bought a entry-level car, you know, low price, but with a, a model, a maker rather that's known for like running for like 10 or 20 years. And I told my friends, you know, I'm going to keep this car for 20 years. So, I mean, it doesn't matter that paid full price, you know, not full price, but I paid it for it. (laughs) I bought it brand new, which you never do at least two years old folks, please. (laughs) About two years after that, I worked really hard, you know, paid off. I don't really recommend, I don't like buying cars and things that depreciate on time, you know, mm-hmm. don't make payment plans. If you don't have cash to pay it, you know, buy a hoopty or something, but don't, yeah. don't, you know, not a depreciating asset, but I did anyway. So I knew I could pay it off in like a year. So I pay it off in a year. Fine. Two years after I bought the car, Allison, I moved to New York city <gasps> you don't where need it. not only do you not need a car, you don't want one because yeah. you have to pay for parking or a garage and all that kind of stuff. And I sold it for, I sold it for book blue book value, but Mm -hmm. you know, it's like kind of throwing away that 20% new car money. Well, they Mm -hmm. say that new car smell is the most important. I mean, most expensive smell, right? (laughs) That's why they make the new car smell air fresheners that you can put in your car. You can just do that. (laughs) Buy it, buy a used car and get the air freshener. It'll save you you so much money. You know, air freshener for two bucks instead of the new car for 20,000 and low, low, exactly. I have never, ever in my life purchased a new car. I mean, I haven't purchased that many cars. Um, I've bought two cars, I guess three maybe, but the, my current car we pay for in cash, which was very exciting. And it was, I think it was a year old and it felt like a new car. You know, it, it did, it felt, I mean, it didn't have the new car smell, but it was still that same exciting feeling. It still felt very it's new to new me. new to you. It right? was, and it was way nicer go. than my previous one. So to me, it was, it was a it, come it up and it's new to you. Car. Exactly. Smart woman. You're a smart woman, Allison. Good job. Oh, thank you. And the third question, and really it's just complete this sentence. My favorite thing I've ever spent money on is. 
my house. Oh, my you house love your and house. the renovations. Yeah. Your home is your sanctuary, right? Mm-hmm. You know, someone said to me, they were like, you know what, Virgie, you've been practicing for the pandemic for your whole freaking life. Because <laughs> you have your house all set I up just, the way you want it. Exactly. Like the Zoom thing. I don't have to go anywhere. This is awesome. Yeah. That's how so my I husband would feels. My home. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I love it. Do you see yourself staying there for a long time? Yeah, I do. And even though, you know, my husband says when he retires, he wants to move to, you know, out of the state, but I see myself being a snowbird. I Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, dude, you can live there full time. If you want, I'll come visit in the winter. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining us and really just sharing your wisdom and your expertise. I really hope that you know, people bookmark this episode and they come back to it or they take notes on it and they really advocate for themselves and their money when it comes to these medical bills. So thank you so much, Dr. Virgie. Thanks for having me, Allison. Bye. Take care. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Dr. Virgie. I know that I walked away learning so much more and I truly do think that she is doing such a good job when it comes to just educating people on something that honestly, the system doesn't really want us to know about. So be sure to share this episode, whether you share it on social media or you share it with a parent, a sibling, a friend, just anyone that you know, that way you can put the knowledge into their hands. And the next time they have a medical bill, they can make sure they follow the three very most important steps for paying the medical bill the right way. I'll see you next week back on the Inspire Budget Podcast with a brand new episode. Bye.